Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am excited to introduce you to one of my new friends. I first met today's guest in Fort Worth, Texas, and she is a fellow class of 2023 Cowgirl 30 Under 30 honoree, and she is a true badass. Let me tell you, just wait, you'll see. Natasha McCann is the owner of McCann Athletic Therapy. She is a licensed massage therapist, certified personal trainer, certified nutrition and sports specialist, emergency medical technician, and holds a rare dual board certification in clinical rehabilitation and orthopedic manual therapy. See, I told y'all she was a badass. She has made herself one of the Western industry's leaders for manual therapy, particularly for rodeo athletes. In addition to her business, she is also a coach with Champion Living Fitness and a wellness provider for the Western Sports Foundation. She works for Survey Championship Rodeo, coaches at a CrossFit gym in Fort Worth, helps out with War Party Ranch and Dayworks. And now she spends a large part of the year on the road treating rodeo and Western sport athletes across the country. We're going to dive more into her story and how she got into the work she's doing now in just a second. So let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Natasha. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to chat with you. Honestly, reading through your bio and looking at all of these fancy things that you have on your resume, I'm like, I don't even know what half of these things are. If I'm being <laughs> totally transparent with you, they just sound really cool and special. It is. It's a, There's a lot of words there, but it very simply put is I just help people manage injuries and I specialize in rodeo. See, I can understand that. That makes perfect yeah. sense to me. That, uh, the other words sound super fancy, but I do want to dig into this and kind of the work that you're doing now. But before we jump in there, I kind of want us to back up to the beginning. I'd love for you to share what your origin story of sorts is. I mean, it's been a very interesting path for me. This is not something I ever foresaw myself doing or had this grand vision of. Everything's just kind of played out where I, I made this groove for myself and I love it. But I was always really involved in sports growing up. I had a very active family. And so my dream was actually basketball. I really, really wanted to play in the WNBA. And I was extremely motivated for that. That career path and going to college to play ball was derailed. I was in a motorcycle accident when I was 16, I suppose. And so that changed everything because I had to have surgery and lost some offers. So from there, I kind of changed course and was like, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do outside of basketball. The only thing I do know is I like the outdoors. I love horses and agriculture. So I really just dove in that path and I got a job riding colts and just being a ranch hand in Eastern Washington right after I graduated high school. And I went and did that full time. And then I kind of bounced around the Northwest for the better part of seven or eight years, day working and getting jobs on ranches and riding colts and, and kind of doing that thing. So I loved that life and it was a ton of fun, lots of great memories and experiences. But as most people can relate, it's a very hard way to make a living. <laughs> and I was uh, financially unable to really build anything. And I knew if I wanted my own land or my own operation one day, I needed 
some education and something that I could kind of grasp into to build a better financial support system for myself. So that's kind of how everything got started. I ended up getting my EMT license first. That was the first route I took. Also a very hard way to make a living. Uh, (laughs) It was a wonderful job, but not the way you're going to buy a house. So I brainstormed and thankfully I've had some really great mentors. So from there, I got my personal trainer, licensed massage after that. And then the dual board certifications came after all those because they all kind of culminate into that certification. Very, very cool. I love hearing how people got into their path because I feel like it, it's never actually a straight line. Like, I don't know if there's anybody out there who was like, I knew that I wanted to do this and that's exactly how everything worked out. So yeah, I love was- I love hearing that. Quick question. You're from California originally, isn't that right? I am. I'm from Monterey. Oh, I love it. A lot, another California girl, but you haven't, have you been back to California since you left after high school? So I would bounce around a lot. So I would yeah. do like a six month stint. I actually coached my high school field hockey team for a while. So, I was so like, oh, I'll move back for, you know, three months and then I would move back up north and then I got a job at a barn, kind of a loper job in essence. So I moved back for six months and then I'd leave again. And <laughs> so fun. Oh my gosh. I love it. It sounds like your background and your passion has always been in sports. It's kind of shifted a little bit now in that you're not competing in sports. I mean, maybe you are, maybe that's something that I don't know about yet, but you're really working with the athletes within the Western sports world. Um, Something you had shared with me too, was that it was from an accident that you had really undergone yourself that really brought you into this passion of the work that you do now. Can you tell a little bit more about that story? Yeah. So I was day working at the time and we were- for those people that don't really know what it means to say I was day working, that maybe aren't from the the rodeo Western industry, what does it mean to be day working? Uh, it's basically just you go to work for a ranch for a very short period of time. So whether it's truly a day or like a week stint, you're just helping them with a task that they need done that they might not have a full-time staff cowboy for, or if you're branding or working cows where you need an extra set of hands and you don't have to work there full-time. Love it. Yeah. So I was day working. I was actually working for the family that I originally worked for. We're all still close and I keep in touch with them. And we were moving some cows and the colt I was on just kind of started pitching a fit. So I ended up getting bucked off and I broke my back. I broke my back in five places. I damaged a kidney. I had a head injury. And as a result of that, I had already gotten all my certifications, but I wasn't sure exactly what vein to take. And it was really hard to kind of get a foothold in any industry at that point. This was right like in the smackdown of of COVID and everything as well. So that happened and I was on the receiving end of some really bad medical advice. And I was 26 at the time, uh, about to turn 27. And I was, you know, very fit. I was competing in CrossFit, worked out, day worked, all this stuff. And they basically just told me take the next two years of my life off because my spine was never going to be the same, that I should never, ever get on horses again because it was remarkable. I wasn't paralyzed, so I shouldn't push my luck. And given the extent of what became that head injury, they were like, you just basically just hang out until time will heal your body. And, you know, being 26, and that's how I made a living. I was like, I'm, you know, as anyone who day works knows, it's not exactly a way to make a killing. So to have all my income sources now gone, I just, it sent me to the spiral, but also became this really great thing because I didn't want anyone to ever feel the way I did. And get that bad advice from people that just don't understand the lifestyle. Yeah. Before we go further, I want to come back to Natasha in that moment or after having that accident and hearing this feedback from the doctors. What was it like for you to have 
like the whole trajectory of your life completely uprooted, breaking your back in the middle of COVID. Like, where were you at mentally at this point in time? A bad place. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, I'm so glad I have the sense of humor I do and I can laugh about it. But on top of all that, like, I had just bought a house and I was renovating it. So, my house was down to the studs on the inside and I was living on my bedroll. And I had a boyfriend and he broke up with me, like didn't come get me to the hospital, broke up with me right after that. And so my gosh, yeah, everything around me crumbled or so I felt at least. Mm -hmm. And I was not in a good place. And it totally admittedly took me a while to, to see the light out of it and to see hope and, you know, build what I've built from it much in credit to my family because they were very supportive and helpful during that time. But it was a very trying experience for me. I mean, understandably so. What were, I know you mentioned your family was very supportive, but what were some of the things that you think shifted or changed for you to kind of pull yourself back up by the bootstraps and kind of get in the direction of where you're at now? You know, partly my inherent Irish stubborn nature, I suppose. (laughs) Um, I just had such a hard time sitting there and accepting a doctor telling me, like a medical professional saying, hey, you're a very fit 26 year old in the prime of your life, so to speak, but that's gone. And Mm -hmm. they looked at horses and ranching and all this stuff as hobbies, not Mm. as truly my living and my, my joy. And same with working out. It was just, they looked at it as something I just do, not something, not part of who I am. Yeah. So I was able to kind of process all that. And I just wanted to tell myself, like, at least if I try, then I'll know they were right. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I have to just sit and exist and find a new way to, to live. But if I don't try, I'll never know. And that'll eat me alive more than anything else. Mm, that's good. So fast forward, you're making moves. Obviously, I think going through, you mentioned that getting that bad medical advice has kind of influenced how you do the work that you do now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It just helped me to to kind of think outside the box. And, you know, with my massage certifications and and the work in hands-on therapy is a lot of people think of that as very kind of ethereal and just this fluff and like, oh, relax and we'll light a candle and, you know, sniff some lavender. But there is really a a methodical, like scientific approach to it. And that's certainly the route I take. And having the EMS background has helped a lot where I really want to look at your body and the whole system functions and then zero in. So I've just kind of used all that to, to build my practice and how I look at clients and know that especially in the Western industry, like I hate to say it, but a lot of times we are going to be in pain because we have these extreme events. You know, I don't know a single bull rider or bronc rider that just feels a hundred percent and feels amazing with no aches or pains, much different than other professional athletes. So the way we manage those injuries and the way we manage treatment is so different where we want, you know, I want my clients to feel as best as they can, given the circumstances is they're probably not going to feel great. They're probably going to be injured somewhere to some extent how do we manage that? And how do we get them on and keep them riding and happy and healthy as much as possible? Mm. In the work that you do, have you found that athletes in the Western world are already seeking out this like medical support? Or do you find that that they're not as open-minded to the kind of work that you do and more the traditional medical route? Or I guess what's the what's the culture behind this work within the Western world? I think it's certainly coming around. There's still some people that are a little resistant just because it has that connotation of like, it's just relaxation. You're not doing any real benefit. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's really well received. 
And I have, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of rodeos, top athletes, and they're very diligent about their healthcare. Mm -hmm. And they certainly advocate for themselves and they want people like me that are doing these kind of treatments or cryo and, uh, you know, all these alternative therapies that 10 years ago or even five years ago probably would have been laughed at. Mm -hmm. And now we have the world's top rodeo athletes doing them very actively on a regular basis. I think it's so funny to think about because some of these methods, I know I can think about like my family, like my hardcore ranching family they would just be like, that is crunchy, woo-woo medicine stuff, right? But I do feel like there is just a shift culturally across the board. And I don't know if, I don't know how prevalent this is in the Western sports world, Natasha, but I feel like every, especially like influencers now, I feel like everybody suddenly has this cold, a cold plunge tub in their, in their yard or something. Like, I just feel like you see all of this kind of trending now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool shift to see is that people are being more proactive about their health and not relying on super traditional things or just medicating to solve issues is they're looking at wellness as the big picture and and there's multiple pillars to that. So it's it's been a neat shift across the board, but also narrowing down into to my niche there. If you haven't noticed by now, I love to talk. And more than anything, I really love to inspire and empower a crowd, whether that's a crowd of one listening to the podcast or a crowd of hundreds, heck, even thousands. I love being able to empower a room. Now, if you are looking for an energetic and passionate keynote speaker or a professional hype girl MC who may or may not get the crowd dancing and up on their feet, well, friend, look no further. You're listening to me, Coach Kaya, your next keynote speaker, MC, workshop host, panelists, or heck, even podcast guest. I'd love to hear more about your company or organization's goals and how I can partner with you to help achieve them. Visit coachkaya.com forward slash speaking to fill out a form so we can chat more about how I can join you and help your event be a success. I'm here to bring the energy and the inspiration. Again, if you're interested, visit coachkaya.com forward slash speaking. I cannot wait to connect with you. So I know that you worked primarily in the Western sports world. How have you been able to kind of grow your business within that niche? What does that journey look like for you? For me, I just try to be where the athletes are. You know, mm-hmm. that's the unique thing about rodeo is is I've worked in pro baseball. And it's nice because we always have home field, right? I can always be at the stadium. And I know I'm going to be there for their homestand X amount of days. But with rodeo, we don't have that luxury. So I knew pretty early on the best way to get exposure and to to make sure I'm treating everyone is to be where they are. So that's been the the core of my business is I travel the vast majority of the year is, you know, I'm located in Texas now, which is nice because it's pretty central. I can access a lot of big events, but in the summer I'll travel Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, back to California, Arizona, Utah to just try and hit a bunch of rodeos and be around as many of these guys and girls as possible. So what does that look like for you? Like, take me in, I I don't want to say a day in the life, but like a week in the life of Natasha during your high peak season. Like, are you living out of a car? Are you staying in hotels? Are you staying in like living quarter trailers? Like, what is that experience like having a career that's so unique like this? You know, it varies. I do spend a lot of time in my pickup. (laughs) Look somewhat homeless at times. I love it. You know, that's also the beauty is I do help out with Servi 
So when I'm in Colorado, a lot of times I'll stay at their ranch and they have a bunkhouse for us employees. So staying in the bunkhouse, but most of the time if I'm bouncing, cause I, I generally have like loose plans of, oh, I want to hit this rodeo, you know, mm-hmm. last year I hit Sheridan, Cheyenne, Casper. So I was like, I want to be here around these dates and mm-hmm. everything else. I just kind of let it flow. So sometimes that means sleeping in my pickup. I usually bring a bedroll and some camping gear so I can, you know, set up camp if I need to. But that's also the beauty of the industry is even if you don't know someone, everyone knows everyone. Right. And so there's been a number of times where I've made a call to a friend and been like, hey, I'm in Gillette and I need somewhere to crash for a night. And they'll call a friend and I wind up on someone's couch or guest room or, or living quarters trailer. Like it's a it's a really awesome industry to be in where you kind of always have an option. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I'm imagining that people listening right now, you mentioned staying in a bunkhouse. And for those especially that aren't that aren't in the Western lifestyle, I bet they're imagining Yellowstone right now, like a Yellowstone bunkhouse. Yeah. So the bunkhouse I stay in isn't quite like that. We have, there's two bedrooms and each bedroom has eight to 10 bunk beds. So it is, you know, you're, you're sharing space, but we have like a bathroom and then the upstairs has a full kitchen and stuff, but it is, you know, just communal living. It's like being back with your brothers and sisters kind of. Oh, I love that. Being someone who works in the Western rodeo industry, have you ever found that it is challenging as a woman within a traditionally male-dominated space? Or what has that experience been like for you? I mean, I definitely see that. And there aren't a lot of women in the industry. Or I shouldn't say that, but at least in my very small role, I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of women, right? There's certainly women in sports med, which is awesome. And we're seeing a lot more get involved. But like on the the stock contract work side of things when I'm helping out, like there's just not a lot of chicks out there, which I encourage you guys all to get involved if you're interested. But (laughs) there's certainly those challenges and there's a certain physicality to the work. So it's understandable that sometimes a woman might not be best suited or seen as best suited. So the benefit I think to it, or the good thing is that once you prove you're worth your salt, I've never heard anything bad is once I show up and demonstrate like, Hey, I'm here to work. I'm not just here to take pictures and like be cute. And I know personally, like in my mind, at least is I'll work twice as hard as any guy because I know I have something to prove, which doesn't bother me one bit, but I know that doesn't sit well with everyone, but that's usually the approach I take is like, I'll bust my butt and work longer hours, get up earlier and stay at work later just to show like, Hey, I mean business and I can outwork anyone just because I'm a chick doesn't mean anything. It's just who's best suited for the job. And I want to make sure that I'm best suited for the job. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thinking big picture with me here, Natasha. Okay, let's say that someone is listening to this and they're not a rodeo athlete, which I would say is most of my listeners. I, I, <laughs> I would say most of them are not rodeo athletes. What are some, like from your perspective, what are some ways that just the average bear, the average person can incorporate simple, mindful wellness moments in our everyday life? The rule that I tell everyone, movement is medicine, right? Mm. The more we can move, the better off we are. Even when that applies to the vast majority of injuries or anything is if we're moving our bodies, we're doing ourselves a lot more good than 99% of the population. So whether that's taking a walk at night or whatever it may be, that's going to put you far ahead of so many people. And then as far as, you know, wellness, nutrition, like food, those sort of things, just eating clean foods, things that you grow, that people you know grow. Another rule that I, not rule, but kind of guideline I tell a lot of people is like, you can eat anything you want, but cook everything you eat. 
mm-hmm. and watch what you eat changes. You know, if you want pasta, that's awesome. Pasta is a great carb source. And if you throw meatballs in there, it's a great protein source. Make your pasta, make your sauce. And the content quality and flavor of that food is going to vastly improve. Mm. You know, I have never actually made my own pasta before, but I'm getting ready to go on a trip to Europe. As this podcast comes out, this has probably already happened. But um, <laughs> I booked a pasta making class with an old Italian grandma, and I'm so excited, Natasha. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now I have pasta on my brain. Thank you for that. Um, no, that's that's so great. I love that movement is medicine. Now, question for you. Does twerking in my kitchen count? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting that heart rate up, man. You're getting your heart rate up. Your it is quite a workout, it's... let me tell you. <laughs> Just making homemade pasta, twerking in my kitchen. That's what I want everyone to visualize right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, so good. Okay. When we were at Cowgirl 30 Under 30, we went to this big gala. We felt so fancy. We got to all get dressed up. We got on stage. Del Brisby was the MC. It was such a great time. And we all got to give this short acceptance speech. And I vividly remember yours. You had like this epic mic drop acceptance (laughs) speech. where you talked about having too many damn dreams. Can you tell me, can you tell us that story? Yes. So it, I, I told this or wrote that speech like a few minutes before night of kind of, and I was like, oh, it's just a funny little like anecdotal tale, right? But basically the story is the same <laughs> wonderful man that I was dating at the time. Wait, I question. Called- is this the same guy that left you as you had a broken back? <laughs> Wow. Yes. Wow. 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 Okay. He is the poster child yeah. of all things wrong. By Okay. Sorry. Sorry to inter- interject. I just had to know if it was the same guy. Okay. Continue. Yeah. We've made a lot of great changes since then. <laughs> <laughs> but basically I was, so I was back in California at the time. So we were doing the long distance deal. He was in Washington and I'd kind of been spitballing. I was like, okay, how do I want to get involved? Like, what am I going to do with all these certifications? And my first thought was EMS. So I was like, first responders, firefighters, EMTs, we all have this huge history of back injuries and all this stuff. And then I was beyond that. I was like, I miss ranching full time. I miss cowboying so much. And every cowboy I know, myself included, already had back pain. This was before I really injured my back. So I was like, how do I combine all these things? And so I had the idea. I was like, I could do online personal training and help these demographics and write programming specific for them. And so I called the boyfriend. And I tell him this and I'm like, I had this idea and I had done all this research and I'm like figuring out what platforms I can use to write the programming and X, Y, Z. And he interrupted me and he was like, you know what, Natasha, you have too many damn dreams. So why don't you just pick one or just do something else like the rest of us? Basically just settle and be miserable like most people and stop trying so hard. And I think of that every single day. Like I will never forget that phone call. And it's such an odd place to be at now because I used to be a little bit more resentful and like so hurt over the situation over, you know, the years of these problems. But now I owe him the biggest thank you of my life because without him telling me that, without him leaving me in those unfortunate circumstances, I would not be here. I would not have this business at all because I would have been at his house helping him do his books for his business. But it was really just one of those catalyst statements in my life where every day I'm like, no, this is the opposite of everything my parents ever told me. And, and people that I looked up to is, you know, without the dreamers, where are we? And if I'm going to be one of those people, then why not? Oh, 
so good. It was so good. Seriously, everyone was just like, dang, that it was such a mic drop moment. You like said, <laughs> here's to everyone that has too many damn dreams. And we're all like, yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, I just love it. It gave me chills. And I feel like, you know, I've talked to you a little bit about, about it since then. You had said that. And suddenly I just saw this like wave of women, even within our group that are like, that just really resonate with that message. And I think that they're are probably so many people that are listening to this too, feeling that way of, you know, maybe they do have big dreams. Maybe they want to pivot. Maybe they want to go a totally different direction than what they're doing now. And maybe the people that are closest to them in their lives, whether it's a boyfriend, a partner, a parent, a friend, really trying to speak into them to keep themselves small. And so many people allow that to happen. We allow our dreams, the little spark of a dream to completely be squashed because somebody else doesn't allow that to really smolder and take fire. If that man were to see you again today, maybe I should maybe I shouldn't say it this way. <laughs> maybe instead I should ask if there is someone who is thinking or who has these dreams and has that similar situation where someone says maybe you just need to pick something like stop dreaming so big, what would you say to them? A couple expletives, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what I've found is people that aren't going to believe in you there's nothing you can do to convince them to expand their mind, right? And at the end of the day, you have to pursue what makes you happy and what just lights you up. And if it feels uncomfortable or scary, it's probably the best thing you can do for yourself. You know, I've moved many, many times. I've bounced around all over. Almost every time I've moved, I've moved to somewhere I don't know a single person. Just straight up like threw a dart on a map and was like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I have a supportive family, which is awesome. But if you, even if you don't have that, don't let that self-doubt creep in because worst case scenario, this is what my dad always, always say to me is that if I started doubting, he'd be like, what's the worst thing that can happen? He goes, you go broke, you get fired and you move back home. Wow. Okay. So now you're right back where you are literally right now. And I kind of approach everything like that. I'm like, okay, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does like, damn, I did something really cool that I've really wanted to do. and not everyone has to believe in your vision. Not everyone has to think it's a good idea. And most people are probably going to think it's really stupid or really bad, but you hopefully you can just prove them wrong. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's so funny. I actually love to play. Sometimes I love to play the worst scenario. Like what's the worst that could happen game because we create all this drama in our brains. And it's like, you know, our brain trying to protect us because our brain doesn't like change. It likes predictability. It likes to know that it's going to be safe. And so every time we want to do anything different, no matter what that different thing is, whether it's moving or something like choosing a different place to eat lunch, whatever, like whatever it is, our brain is going to resist something that's unfamiliar and create all this like extra drama and resistance. But sometimes I'm like, okay, legitimately, what is the worst thing that can happen? Like, okay, I lose all my money. I lose my job. I have to go live under a bridge. And like, if I, if you follow it all the way back down to like the worst thing that could happen, you're still probably going to be fine most yeah, of the time. Exactly. And that's, like I said, I kind of laugh about it all now, but after that accident, okay, so now I have a mortgage payment that I can't afford. I'm in the middle of renovations that I can't physically do myself because I was doing it all by myself. I, of course you I, were. Of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lift drywall. Like I'm so hosed and I was so broke and just, you know, everything had crumbled. And so I got a job bartending and waitressing with the only thought in mind. I was like, I can eat people's scraps off their plate and I won't have to pay for dinner because I couldn't afford groceries. And I think about that all the time because I'm like, in the worst situations I've been in in my life, 
I was still okay. It sucked for a little while. Like it wasn't fun sleeping on a bedroll and eating people's leftovers. It was pretty gross, but I survived, you know, I just grinded it out. And that's kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm a realist at the end of the day and I weigh pros and cons. I don't make totally irrational decisions, but you gotta have a little risk, you know, you gotta, you gotta roll the dice sometimes and it's going to pay off big if you make those smartly executed, targeted kind of risks. And what I think is so interesting hearing back to this is that it sounds like even in those hard, dark seasons for you, once you got to the other side of it, you came out so much stronger. Like I always talk about how, like in my whole keynote, it's called grow through it. And the whole idea of it is that like the crap that life throws at us is literally the sh- the shit that fertilizes our greatest growth yet. And when we're in the hard place, like when you are sleeping on a bedroll and eating scraps, like, no, this is not ideal. No, this is not fun. But I just feel like you built so much confidence in yourself because you got to that low point and you proved to yourself that no matter how low it gets, you always have your own back and you'll always pull through to the other side. Absolutely. I've, it's been a really great lesson just in that confidence. Like I was naturally not a confident person and had a ton of self doubt. And I still do. I still ask those questions of like, Natasha, what are you thinking? Like, no one's going to go for this. Why are you trying this? All, you know, that whole shtick. So it was a great lesson and kind of like, persistence and perseverance and resiliency is a big part of my character. And mm-hmm. I can make it through that. I can make it through whatever. And trying to remind myself, like, I don't have to walk in the room and think I'm the baddest bitch, but I can know like, Hey, I've pulled myself out of the freaking gutters of life. <laughs> I'm still here kicking. Heck yeah. You are a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in the spirit of having too many damn dreams, I really want to know, like, when you imagine the future, like 10 years from now, what's next for Natasha? Where do you imagine your life kind of taking you if all things are possible? My biggest goal, honestly, is just expanding my business. So I would love to get a mobile treatment unit to pull the trailer behind my pickup and hit these rodeos and eventually build a staff so that, you know, I love doing it, but it's it's impossible to to be everywhere at once. So I'd love to have a staff that could spread out and hit a lot of these big events and provide these treatments that these athletes are searching for and want and just kind of expand that practice to work in conjunction with current sports med programs because they are offering services that I can't, right? I don't have the the licenses or degrees and all those things to provide certain things. So I want to work in conjunction with them and kind of a lateral move to what's being offered and be at as many rodeos as possible and then uh, buy some land and hopefully have some of my own cattle or bucket stock of my own. I love that. What a fun, fun vision. One of the questions that I ask everyone that is coming on the show, and maybe this is something that you already shared a little bit, but I like to think about life as being a series of mountain ranges that we're walking with lots of high, beautiful peaks with great views and lots of deep, low, hard valleys that we trudge through. <laughs> currently at this phase of your life, what is what does it feel like is one of the mountains that you're currently climbing? expanding the business. <laughs> you know, it's tricky and, and trying to make sure that the the events I'm traveling to, sometimes it is is a risk is I'm, you know, I'm happy if I break even because I know the exposure is worth of it worth it and getting new clients. But that's certainly my mountain right now is is making those strategic moves to try and get sponsors who want to help build my business. And my ultimate goal as well is to be able to provide these resources for free to these athletes. So have an umbrella sponsor that's funneling that fund. Mm. So trying to trying to get some of those keystones in place so that I can build out from there. Mm, love that. I believe so strongly that in whatever climate is that we're on, 
while getting to the top of the mountain is incredible. Reaching the peak is awesome. Achieving the goal is great. I truly do believe that the magic is really about finding joy in the journey and in that process. So right now, where you're at in your journey, where are you finding the most joy in this season? Just the freedom that this business has given me is, I kind of joke that I have Peter Pan syndrome, like I never want to grow up because even last weekend I was in Oklahoma and had some meetings and stuff and then went and day worked for a friend of mine and just uh-huh. went and doctored some calves. And, you know, I don't get paid for that. Like most of the time I'm just doing it just because I truly love it. And that's, I miss that part of my life so much. So I really try to, to pencil that into my life and make sure I'm still doing those things that really make me happy and are just kind of bring me back to, to the old days a little bit. So doing things like that, I love working for the Servies out in the ranch in Stoneham where they keep all their bucking horses. Like it's spectacular country and same thing. You're still doing a lot of work horseback and, and around the animals. So being able to combine something that's actually, you know, making me money and helping build my business, but also brings me a lot of joy is pretty hard to beat. Mm, that's so, so good. You know, a little bird told me that there is another thing that you're interested in maybe exploring and leaning into in your career. That's a little bit of a shift from what you're currently doing. Can you tell us what that might be? Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting into doing some speaking. I've been asked a little bit here and there if I would be interested in that. And I always kind of turn it down because I have that self-doubt, I suppose, and see myself. I'm like, who would give a shit? You know, like I'm just, I'm just another chick, but I'm trying to, to break that negative talk and, and get more into it because I think there's a lot of women that have been in similar positions as I have been and might not have a support system. So I want to try and help advocate for them and, and be that support system that they want and talk about how I've gotten where I where I've gotten and how they can do the same. Mm, I love that. You know, I heard you say that I'm just a normal chick who would want to hear from me, but I think most incredible speakers are just normal chicks too. And I think being a normal person that has experienced a lot of the same things other people are walking through is actually where the magic is so that other people can see themselves in your story. I mean, I know that there are listeners right now tuning into this episode that I know have resonated so much from your story already. And I just believe so strongly in getting more women on stages, if it's the stages that you're speaking from or wherever you're speaking, just because I think there's so much power in story and connection. And girl, you have got a lot to share. <laughs> well, thank you. I uh, that's I mean, why I reached out to you because I you gave an incredible talk at the brunch after the gala, and I was like, all right, this gal's got it going on. I want to I want to pick her brain. <laughs> oh, I'm so so honored. I'm so honored. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience before we wrap up today? You know, it sounds kind of cliche, but just believe in yourself. It, and it's so hard to do. It's so much easier said than done. And I I still struggle with it where I have some ideas and I'm like, oh, that's dumb as hell, Natasha. Like, what? <laughs> no one's going to buy that. But if you don't believe in yourself, no one will. And that's something I tell a lot of the kids that I kind of mentor with Western Sports Foundation or like War Party Ranch. What we try to encourage them to believe is like, keep knocking on doors. And if they don't open, kick them down. You know, the amount of times I've been told no in my life about jobs, ideas, business pitches, loans, whatever it is, sky high, right? I've been told no a million times. But if you just refuse to take no for an answer, eventually someone's going to listen. And that persistence will pay off big time in the long run. Mm, That's so, so good. I think too, like, the more that you ask and get beat down and continue to stand back up, the more you build your confidence in yourself so that when someone does say no, 
it's still believing in yourself and your ability, even if the direction you're going is the wrong direction. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I look at it is I'm like, okay, you're going to tell me now. All right. Didn't tell me before. Next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no big deal. Okay. <gasps> so good. Um, for those that want to connect with you and the work that you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram is the easiest outlet. It's just McCann Athletic Therapy. That's my main funnel source, but you can contact me through there. And then of course, if you're at rodeos, I always say, look for the flat hat. I always wear a sunflower in my hats. So you'll, you'll see me there. And if there's rodeos that you want to get worked on, that's something else I do too, is if you have two or three of your traveling partners and you guys want to get worked on, or if you're in the greater Fort Worth area, that's where my office is, then reach out and we'll make it happen. Awesome. So, so cool. We will have her Instagram link down in the show notes and you can see a picture of her there. So if you are at a rodeo and you want to find her, (laughs) you can see what her hat looks like and you can go track her down. Thank you so, so much, Natasha, for joining us here on the show. It's been such a joy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you, sweet listener, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Here's to the men and women with too many damn dreams. See you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.